0: It is true that God's revelation is our resolution. Proverbs 29 18 says that without that revelation, the people are unrestrained, they are out of control, they will eventually perish. So, because of the revelation of God, that one truth, the Word of God, that exposes to us and reveals to us everything that God is, all that He wants us to know. Once the revelation of God is given to us, we respond in obedience. But without that revelation, the people are unrestrained and will perish. The Word of God, who is incarnate, is the Word of God who is inspired. And that incarnate, inspired Word is sufficient and supreme for all that pertains to life and godliness. And so as the people of God, we are committed to the revelation of God. Because everything about what he's revealed to us in his word is totally sufficient and supreme for which we are to live. And so we are examining that because it's so important to our lives. And so we want to make sure that as we go through every day of our lives, not just once a year, once a month, but every day, we wake up realizing that what God has revealed to us in his word, I resolve to follow in obedience every moment Of the day. So Solomon would go on to say to his son, or before that in Proverbs 29, he'd say in Proverbs 23 23, buy truth and do not sell it. Do whatever you can to obtain the truth, never compromise the truth. Get wisdom, get instruction, get understanding. Solomon knew that his son needed to understand that everything in life pertained to the truth. Everything outside of the truth is irrelevant. Everything pertaining to the truth is relevant because it's eternal. And only that which lasts forever is relevant for life and godliness. So therefore you must know the truth of the living God. And as we study God's word together, as we open it up and read it together, we realize how God has revealed himself to us. In all of his glory, and all of his splendor, we see, and we've looked at this already, how our God shields his people. Psalm 91 tells us that he is a fortress. He is a bulwark. He is our anchor. He is our shield. He is our rock. And because he is, Psalm 84 says, our Lord is a sun and a shield and no good thing will the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. Our God is our protector because he is our shield and the word of God reveals him to us in that way. So because that revelation of God about him being our shield, we resolve to obey and follow everything that he says. And not only does he shield us, but he shepherds us. Psalm 23, verse number one, the Lord is my shepherd. All throughout the Old Testament, it was prophesied about the Messiah who would come and be the shepherd to his people Israel, lead them and guide them and protect them and watch over them. And so they would learn to trust the Messiah, as their shepherd. And so when the Lord came, he said in John 10 that he is that good shepherd. He is the one who lays his life down for the sheep. And because our Lord is our shield, he protects us. And because he is our shepherd, he makes sure that he provides for us every single day. One author said this way in Psalm 23, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack rest or provision. Why? Because he makes me lie down in green pastures. I shall not lack peace. Why? Because he leads me beside quiet waters. I shall not lack restoration or encouragement when I faint, fail, or fall. Why? Because he restores my soul. I shall not lack guidance or fellowship. Why? Because he guides me in the paths of righteousness. I shall not lack courage when my way is dark. Why? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. I shall not lack companionship. Why? Because thou art with me. I shall not lack constant comfort. Why? Because thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I shall not lack protection and honor. Why? Because thou dost prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I shall not lack power. Why? because thou hast anointed my head with oil. I shall not lack abundance. Why? Because my cup overflows. I shall not lack God's perpetual presence, because surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall not lack security, because the psalmist said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is our shepherd. And so because how he has revealed himself to us in scripture, we hold dear everything about him, because of the great truth of God's holy word. He shields us. He shepherds us. He satisfies us. The Lord told Abraham, I am your very great reward. He told him, first of all, I am your shield. I'm going to protect you. But I am, Abraham, your reward And we told you earlier, whether or not he ever received the soil, the land, or the sun, which he did, the seed, it would be God himself who would satisfy his soul. And so we saw in Genesis 25, when Abraham died, he died satisfied. Because he knew that God was his reward, his chief reward. And so he lived according to that. Because God is the only one who can satisfy the longings of our hearts. That great hymn writer, Clara T. Williams, wrote a hymn called Satisfied, in it she says these words All my life long I had panted for a drought from some clear spring that I hoped would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. Feeding on the husks around me till my strength was almost gone, longed my soul for something better only still to hunger on. Poor I was and sought for riches, something that would satisfy. But the dust I gathered round me only mocked my soul's sad cry. Well of water ever springing, bread of life so rich and free, untold wealth that never faileth. My Redeemer is to me. Hallelujah! I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings. Through his blood, I now am saved. She realized that Christ alone was the only one who could satisfy the hunger of her soul, the thirst on her lips. It would only be the Lord Jesus Christ. And so why is God's revelation my resolution? Because he is my shield. He is my shepherd. He is the one who satisfies every longing that I could possibly have because he is the Lord God of Israel. Not only that, we looked, number four, that he sustains us. He sustains us. He upholds us. Hebrews 1, 3, he upholds all things by the word of his power. Colossians chapter 1, He all things are held together because of his power. That's why I cast my burden on the Lord, Psalm 55, for he alone will sustain me. Nothing can keep me going. Nothing can keep me up about, except God's sustaining power. And because he sustains me, he moves me, he allows me to live, I trust him, I believe in him, and I need his sustaining power every day in my life. For without that, I would falter. Without that, I would fall. God is the one who sustains us. That's why his revelation is my one and only resolution. Because without him, I'm nothing. With him, I'm everything he wants me to be. Number five, not only does he shield us, not only does he shepherd us, not only does he satisfy us and sustain us, but number five, he strengthens us. He strengthens us. He's the one who infuses us with power That's why he told the disciples in Acts chapter one that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will then be able to be my witnesses. You'll be able to be my martyrs. You'll be able to live for me because I'm going to infuse you with my spirit and my spirit will be that which will give you the power that you need to live every single day for the glory and honor of my name. I love what it says in the book of Revelation, the 19th chapter, the 6th verse, Our Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He reigns over all because he is the all-powerful one. And the one who is all-powerful is the one who infuses us with his strength that we might live for him. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus, the 15th chapter, it's called the Song of Moses. The song of Moses is the same song as the new song. The song of Moses is the same song as the song of the Lamb. It's a song of those who have been redeemed. And when Israel had crossed over the Red Sea on dry land, because the Lord had done a miraculous, powerful act, and Pharaoh and his army were drowned, it was the words of Moses, who said these words in Exodus 14 verse number 14 The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent The Lord's going to fight for you but you must keep silent in other words, you must stand by and watch what God's going to do. Have you ever noticed that when we are, are looking to do something or change something or enact something or to somehow exercise something, we can't be quiet. We can't be still. That's why the psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. If you're still, if you're quiet, you can see and watch God do great and mighty things. And God did. They sang a song, and the song goes as follows. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, the horse and its rider. He is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Verse 6. Of Exodus 15, your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. And in the greatness of your excellence, you overthrow those who rise up against you. You send forth your burning anger, and it consumes them as chaff. As they began to sing the song of Moses, they could only sing about the power of God the warrior who fought the battle for them. The problem with Israel is that they never learned to be quiet. So when Isaiah would say in Isaiah 30 verse number 15 that in quietness and trust will be your strength, but you were unwilling to do that. You were unwilling to be quiet. You were unwilling to sit back and trust the Lord to do what only he can do. Instead, you did your thing your way. You were unwilling to follow the Lord. Therefore, you were not able to see the strength of the Lord empower your life. Our God omnipotent. He reigns. He's the one who strengthens us. He's the one who gives us the power to live for him. I can't do it on my own. I work out my salvation with fear and trembling, but it's God who's at work in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So I must learn to trust only him. The psalmist said in Psalm 29, Verse number one, ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name, worship the Lord in holy array. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness in Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everything says glory. The Lord sat as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord... Will give strength to his people. The Lord, who when he speaks works wonders, is the strength of your people. And how does the Lord speak to us? Through the revelation of his word. That's how he speaks to us. If you want to experience that strength every single day, it comes because you're in the word of God, being fed on the revelation of God. Every single day. You're letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it be at home in your heart because you want to depend on everything God says. That's what we do. For the Lord God is our strength. The psalmist would say in Psalm 73, verse number 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Forever. And then over in Isaiah 41, Isaiah says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Verse 13 of chapter 41, For I am the Lord your God, who upholds your right hand, who says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. Do not fear. You worm Jacob, you men of Israel, I will help you, declares the Lord. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. The Lord says, do not fear. I will help you. I will uphold you. I have a righteous right hand. And that right hand is the arm of my strength. And I will uphold you. But you must trust me. You must learn to wait Upon me, our Lord omnipotent reigneth. Paul said these words in First Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into his service. It was the Lord who strengthened me. It was the Lord who empowered me. It was the Lord who gave me the opportunity and the ability to live and to honor his name. So much so that when you come to the end of his life, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, as he's sitting in the Mamertine prison there in Rome, cold, dark dungeon, he says these words in 2 Timothy 4, verse number 16. At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me, and he Strengthen me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Though no one stands with me, Paul says, I stood all alone. But the Lord stood right with me, and the Lord strengthened me. The Lord rescued me out of the lion's mouth. And the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and ultimately deliver me into his kingdom. To him be the glory and power forever. That's how Paul saw the Lord. That's how Paul understood the Lord. Because the Lord had revealed himself to him in such a powerful way that the Lord had that, that Paul had no other Alternative, but the trust in the living God to strengthen him every single day. God's power, the power that strengthens us, is a very unique power. Power, Psalm sixty-two eleven, belongs only to God. Power belongs only to God. Psalms sixty-two eleven. That's why his power, his power alone, is unique. Because he can wield his power however he chooses. He can do it whenever he chooses. Because he is the Lord God omnipotent. He reigns supreme over all. And only his power is a unique power. The Bible says in Hebrews 1, 3, that by the power of Of his word, he upholds all things. That's a unique power. To be able to speak the universe into existence. To be able to speak and hold the universe together. He just speaks. And it accomplishes his will. Over in Isaiah chapter 40, these words are are spoken. Isaiah 40, verse number 15. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are regarded as a speck of dust in his scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beast enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? Answer, you can't. Because it's his power and his power alone that is supremely unique. And because his word infuses power when he speaks, because he's given us his inspired word, when we read it, the Spirit of God, who is all-powerful, who indwells the people of God will use the word of God to empower them for the glory of the living God. That's what God does. That's how he operates. He wants to use us in a very powerful way. So many times we we just don't see him that way, but that's exactly what he wants to do in a powerful way at work, in a powerful way at school, in our church, in our community. No matter where we're at, God wants to use us in a very unique and powerful way because his power is his alone, and that power is a very unique power. That unique power is an unparalleled power. It's unparalleled In Hebrew, he's called El Shaddai, God Almighty. He's called El Gabor, the mighty God. In the Greek, he's called the Pantocrator, used 10 times in the New Testament, nine times in the book of Revelation alone, because the Pantocrator is the Almighty One who exerts His power however and whenever He wishes. It is an unparalleled power because it's so unique to Him You can't compare it with anything else. That's why when we read Isaiah 40, verses 15 to 26, I'm sorry, we didn't read all the way down to verse number 26, but it says this in Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40, verse number 19. As for the idol, a craftsman cast it. A goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too impoverished For such an offering, selects a tree that does not rot, he seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Do you know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heaven like a curtain, and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing. He who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely had they planted. Scarcely had they been sown. Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth. But he merely blows on them and they wither. And the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me? That I would be as equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their hosts by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. It's a power that's unparalleled. The unique power of God is an unparalleled power. The unique power of God is an unprecedented power. Isaiah 44, verse number 24. The Lord says these words. Isaiah 44, 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the one who formed you from the womb, I, the Lord, and the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself and spreading out the earth all alone, causing the omens of boasters to fail, making fools out of diviners, causing wise men to draw back and turning their knowledge into foolishness, confirming the word of his servant and performing the purpose of his messengers. It is I who says of Jerusalem, she shall be inhabited, and for the cities of Judah they shall be built, and I will raise up her ruins again. It is I who says to the depth of the sea, be dried up, and I will make your rivers dry. It's I who does these things. Only God alone. It's an unprecedented power. It is an unparalleled power because it is a supremely unique power. That God says, I want to strengthen you. I and I alone. I want to infuse you with my power. I want to enable you to accomplish all that I have for you. I want you to evangelize the world, but you can't do it without my power. I want you to be able to endure suffering, but you can't do it without my power. I want you to be able to enjoy my steadfast life, but you can't do it without my power. It's only because of me that you can live and breathe and have your being. Without me, you are meaningless. Without me, you are nothing. But with me, you are everything I want you to be. That's why God strengthens us. That's why God empowers us. That's why his revelation is our one and only resolution. His power that is unique, is unparalleled, unprecedented. It is unlimited. His power is unlimited. You and I can exert all kinds of energy. But we're going to get tired. We're going to get worn down. We're going to become very weary. We're going to need to take a rest, get some sleep, get some right food in us. Our Lord doesn't need to do that. His power is unlimited. The Lord God says to Israel in Isaiah chapter 40, these words, Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord? And the justice to me escapes the notice of my God. Do you not know, have you not heard, that the everlasting God, the, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Israel, why do you say that your situation has escaped the notice of your God? It has not. Have you not heard Do you not remember? Don't you remember what was said? Don't you remember all the things that you have seen? How could you so easily forget? I am the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator, the master architect of all things that ever happen on the planet. I never get tired. I never grow weary. And I want to strengthen those of you who are weary. And I want to make sure that you can stand up, rise up, and be strong for the glory of my kingdom. That's what God does. He strengthens us with his power that is unique, unparalleled, unprecedented, unlimited, and because it's unlimited, it is unending. He is the eternal God, the everlasting God. Over in Deuteronomy chapter 33, Moses says this about the Lord before he dies. He says the eternal God is a dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms And he drove out the enemy from before you and said, destroy, so Israel dwells in security. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, who is a shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. Moses is about to die, and he wants to remind Israel that your Lord is your warrior. He has fought for you. He has been your shield. He has provided and protected you. And therefore, he will strengthen you because he is the eternal, everlasting God who never grows weary. We need to understand that. Our Lord's power is unlimited. It is unending. It is unprecedented. It is unparalleled because it is a uniquely designed power only by God, from God, to be used in the people of God. Not only that, the power of God is unsurpassed. Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah 32, verse number 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. And by your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. Again, in verse 27, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Answer, no. Why? Because his power is unsurpassed. There's nothing too difficult for him. There's nothing he can't accomplish. There's nothing he will not do because his power is unsurpassed, unending, un. Limited, unparalleled. It is unprecedented because his power, and his power alone, is unique. But note this a power like that, that's unique, unparalleled, unprecedented, unsurpassed, unlimited, unending, is a very unpopular power. If you got your Bible, turn me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. That power is a very unpopular power. And the reason that is, is because God's power is a delivering power. Everything goes back to the glory of the Lord. Everything goes back to the name of God. Everything goes back to who God is, right? And our God is a deliverer. He is a redeemer, a savior of man. And I want you to notice that when God exhibits his power, you either embrace that power or you reject that power. And in Mark chapter 5, you have our Lord unleashing his power. In Mark chapter 4, he calms the sea. His disciples had a hard time believing that God could do that, but he did. After our story in Mark 5, he heals sickness because his power is unlimited, unending, unsurpassed, unparalleled. It's a unique power. But in Mark 5, verses 1 and following, he heals a man who's demon-possessed. The text reads as follows. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, when he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him anymore, even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been torn apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. Now, A year ago this week, we were in Israel, and in the land of Israel, we go to a place called the land of the Gerasenes on the eastern shore of the side of the Sea of Gennesaret or the Sea of Galilee, and we're able to go to the place or a traditional place, not necessarily the specific place, but the area in which this event takes place. So here's a man who's demon-possessed, cannot be bound, cannot be shackled. So the blacksmith in the city had a full-time job because he was never out of work. Because he'd be making shackle after shackle after shackle because he'd keep breaking them and breaking them and breaking them. This man was demon-possessed. He could not be bound. So you can imagine what must have taken place in the families of the city. Terrified that this demon-possessed man would terrorize the city, terrorize the children, the families. No one could subdue him. And then comes comes Jesus. Verse 5, Constantly night and day he was screaming among the tombs than in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Verse 6, Seeing Jesus from a distance, He ran up and bowed down before him. And shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? He said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby in the mountain. The demons implored him saying, send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirit entered the swine and the herd rushed down the steep bank and into the sea. About 2,000 of them, they were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed, and in his right man, mind, Excuse me, the very man who had had the legion. And they became frightened. They became frightened, very fearful. Luke's account says they became terrified. Read on. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine. And they began to implore him to leave their region. Why? Why would they want the all-powerful God, Jesus of Nazareth, the one whose power is unique, that's unlimited, unprecedented, unparalleled, unending, unsurpassed, to leave their presence. Would they not somehow want to be partakers of that divine delivering power? Well, the answer is no. Why is that? Because they recognized that they were in presence of holiness. And when you're in the presence of holiness and you love your sinfulness, God's power is very unpopular. You want nothing to do with it. You want him to leave. You don't want him to be a part of your life. Leave. They become very frightened that a holy God that's all powerful is in their city. And so if you read on, it says, As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him. And he did not let him, but he said to him, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim to Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him And everyone was amazed. There is so much in this story to unravel about our all powerful God. But to realize that they did not want that power in their presence, they were absolutely frightened that they wanted him to leave. They implored him, they begged him, leave, go now, do not stay. So what did the Lord do? He left. He could have sent a famine to the city. Could have called fire down from heaven on the city. Could have wiped out everybody with the disease. He is the all-powerful God, is he not? Sure he is. He didn't do that. Instead, he left them with a living, breathing testimony to his power. A man who was once demon-possessed, now in his right mind, once, one who was once fully naked, now fully clothed, one who was once unredeemed, now redeemed, because he's been delivered from the power of darkness into the power of God's dear Son. They will always have before them a living, breathing testimony to the power of the living God. Even though they rejected the power of the true God. Even though they wanted nothing to do with the power he offered them. Because our God is a deliverer, see? It's a a testimony of a transformed life. This, this, This narrative is lived out In every person who gives their life to Christ, this same narrative is lived out by every person who experiences the power, God's delivering power, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. And God leaves us as a testimony to his delivering power. They might not want the Lord of that power But they will see a living, breathing testimony to that power every single day because you are becoming new creation. You are a new person. You are not the same person as you were before you were saved. There is something uniquely different about you. Why? Because you have been uniquely delivered by the power of God from the kingdom of darkness into the power of God's dear Son. A unique power that is unparalleled to any other power, unprecedented, unsurpassed, unlimited, and unending, even though unpopular, it is a unique power of God that's delivered you and saved you and transformed your soul. That's what God does in the life of somebody who gives their life to him. And you now become that living, breathing testimony to your family to your friends, to your community, even your church. That's why the Bible says in 1 Chronicles 16, verse number 11, seek the Lord and his strength. Over in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse number 9, the eyes of the Lord. Rove to and fro throughout all the earth, seeking and searching to strengthen the hearts of those who are fully committed to Him. God wants to strengthen your heart. God wants to infuse you with His power that you might be the bold, courageous proclaimer of His Word, to stand strong when no one else can stand To live a life of separation when no one else does. To be able with courage and boldness and confidence to live for the living God. That's what the Lord wants to do in your life. That's why the prophet Daniel said that those who know the Lord, they will display strength and do great exploits those who know the lord are going to display strength and take action daniel was just that man he would he knew the lord he was able to stand strong in the strength of the lord and do great exploits for god we always have to ask ourselves do i really know the god The book? Do I know him intimately? Have I embraced him as my Lord and Savior? Have I come to realize who he is and what he's done? His revelation is my resolution. He's going to strengthen me, satisfy me, sustain me, shield me, shepherd me. That's what my God does. Why can't I trust him to do so? My prayer for you and me is that exactly what we do, because He is. He is our resolution. We resolve to follow only Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. the great opportunity you give us to barely scratch the surface of the strength and power of our God. Yet your word is filled with how you have given strength. To your people, Israel. How you have given strength to those who who want to live for you and honor you. How you exemplify your strength every time someone comes to saving grace. Lord, we love you. We want to be used by you. Our prayer is that we would stand firm in the power of our God, standing strong only in you and not ourselves because you are our only strength. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.